Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Shaman Talk. My name's Rhonda and I'm your host. And this week we are dealing with despair. Now the Cambridge Dictionary's definition of despair is the feeling that there is no hope and that you can do nothing to improve a difficult or worrying situation. A mood or sense of despair. They're in the depths of despair over the money they've lost. To her teacher's despair, Nicole does the work, never does the work she's told to do. Their fourth year without rain drove many farmers to despair. A feeling of despair descended on us as we realised that we were completely lost. He was plunged into despair when his wife left him. In despair, the director searched everywhere for a new lead actor. He sank into deep despair when he lost his job. I think many of us can understand the feeling of despair, even if we don't um, necessarily understand it cognitively we can definitely we've definitely been there we've definitely been um, in despair despair is linked to hopelessness mainly I think for me that's how I experience it despair hopelessness depression a small but growing segment of the healthcare world has started to describe despair and and conditions, physical conditions that come from despair as diseases of despair. This idea suggests that some of the major drivers of substance abuse, suicide and even chronic physical conditions at their root are caused by hopelessness, despair and absence of opportunity and an unrealised desire for belonging. And for me, I think one of the most challenging emotions to deal with is despair. I find, I used to find it really hard to see any value in despair. Because, you know, despair is not like anger. With anger, there's an energy to it. I can motivate myself in constructive ways. Sometimes, you know, it's not like my depression where I can gain valuable insight about myself. Despair, to me, feels unique because it lacks an energy, it lacks momentum. It's like a nothingness, an inability to think, function, see. But what I've learned is that there are valuable lessons that we can learn from our despair. So, as I say, despair is unique in that it lacks energy. But there's a couple of things I've learned when I've been in despair. I've discovered deeper compassion And I have built greater resiliency. 
So a compassion for people who also experience despair. And resiliency from having, excuse me, from having lived through my own despair. So what's the first thing to remember is that despair, like all emotions, is temporary. I can go into any emotion and if I move myself instead of resisting myself, then I can move myself out of that emotion. I think the reason that despair is more challenging, potentially for me, than other emotions is because it, it lacks that energy, it lacks expression, it lacks movement. And I think without expression or movement, it's difficult to shift an emotion. And that's what I find really difficult about despair. There's just nothing to it. There's no energy to it. But I've had to have some serious conversations with myself about despair. About what it is, where it comes from, why I'm there, why I'm in it, when when it does come. And what I've discovered for myself are these interesting points so I consider now that despair is a blanket emotion meaning that it covers something else that I don't want to feel or deal with when this is the case I can help myself to find ways to express what's underneath that blanket of despair journeying with my guides drawing, walking, writing What does my despair look like or sound like? And it really helps me to find a way to express the emotion, the worry, the concern underneath the blanket of despair. What am I covering up? What am I hiding from? Recognising that nothing means anything other than the meaning that we give it. So what I found very useful for myself is taking my despair, what contributes to it, and altering the meaning. So I try and explore some different questions. For example, what can I learn from this experience? What is this experience asking of me? Sometimes I'll imagine a person I know or someone who I look up to And I ask what they would do or what they would see or what they would say. Sometimes I'll ask myself what my husband would say to me or my my best friend. And by asking these questions, we can shake ourselves, we can loosen ourselves up and gain a different perspective. You can can also ask other people as well, but sometimes in despair... We can't face others, so it's, it's sometimes it's easier just to imagine what they would say rather than having to um, put yourself in the position of meeting or speaking to people, which I find, find impossible when I'm in a space of despair. But if you can't do that, then by all means do speak to people and ask. Now, this next point that I realise for myself is a hard one. It's hard to swallow It might be triggering for you. It might be difficult for you to accept this. It was difficult for me to accept it. But it was true nonetheless. I realised that in my despair, 
always showing signs of being narcissistic. Now, let's take a quick segue about narcissism. It's overused for a start, that word. Um, I, I, I did a post on the group the other day and there are a spectrum of narcissism. There's, the, there's those of us who occasionally will display narcissistic tendencies and I'm, I'd like you to show me one person who never shows a narcissistic tendency because you, I don't think you would be able to. And then we go right up the spectrum to those who are more towards the narcissistic personality disorder. That's not what we're talking about here. I'm not calling anybody a narcissist. I'm not saying that that you are the, the abuser narcissist that we hear about so much in the media and in, in, in a lot of the posts and comments that people make about their, their ex-partners or whatever. That's not what we're saying. We're just talking about those moments of weakness, those moments of narcissistic behaviour, those moments of self-indulgence, of victimhood that we all experience. So try not to be triggered by that word, but it is the best word to describe what I'm going to say. Most people suffering from despair are indulging in their pain. Not everyone. Some people genuinely are facing terribly difficult circumstances. Right across the world. But honestly, not most of us. Despair is very often a self-indulgent emotion. We indulge in our fantasy of how hopeless our situation is. Whereas in actuality, if our circumstances are that horrific, then other emotions may be more appropriate than despair. So why why despair? Why are we in despair? Because despair keeps us from feeling the emotions that we don't want to feel. It's a numbing technique. It's a very it's a highly effective numbing technique. I find that is the function of despair and that's where compassion really helps recognising that I'm afraid of my feelings my deeper feelings so I'd rather stay in a space of despair than face the blanket face what's underneath that blanket and as soon as I acknowledge that I'm scared of something else something deeper something that I've been hiding from a doorway will open as a way out of despair. Despair is an intellectual emotion, I think. It's not primal, I don't think. It's not how I experience it. It comes from thinking too much. So for me, when I'm in despair, I just do my best and I don't always manage um, I very rarely fall into despair these days, by the way, but I'm very familiar with the space. I, I spent years years in despair and depression, so I'm very familiar with it. But what helps us just doing something, getting up in the morning and getting started and just doing something, just anything. For those of you who've worked with the zero days comp, um, process, it's the idea of just just doing something so that you don't have a zero day so that you don't fall too far into despair you know take go out for a walk jump up and down clean the kitchen tai chi dance go outside put music on music really helps me and you might be really surprised at how that little action 
can really support you. But what we're looking to do really when we're in despair is to reset the mind. And obviously in the part in part two we'll have a couple of things that you can try shamanically to support you with some of the things I'm going to talk about now. Because when you're in despair and somebody says somebody runs through these things that I'm just about to say, it can be very frustrating because there's no movement, like I said earlier. There's no momentum. There's no ability to shift or move or grow. Or it, it's just impossible to do the things that I'm about to list. But coupled with the activities in the next section, I think we might get somewhere. Coupled with our shamanic spiritual work. So break the pattern is the first thing that helps me. Do something else. So when I'm in despair, it often involves um, not doing very much and kind of sitting around. Usually I'm on my phone or some sort of social media um, sometimes I even fall in, you know, if I'm quite an AD, well, I'm ADD, so sometimes I'll spend two days. Let's take an example. I, recently I learned to crochet and I spent two days just crocheting and I felt myself kind of edging towards despair because I had just spent two days doing this one thing that wasn't all the other things that I should be doing. And then the despair started to creep in because I was feeling bad and guilty and I was feeling pulled away from my work and I was feeling like I should have been doing this or I should have been doing that and I probably should have been doing other things. But as soon as I felt that despair, as soon as I felt the whisperings of it, I started to shift, put the crochet down, shouted to my husband, he helped, you know, he pulled me out of it. It's really good to feel it coming, like practice knowing when it's on its way so that you're not already deep in despair when you choose to break the pattern. So I got up, took the dog out, made the dinner, baked a cake, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, free in your mind is very helpful. You can do that by journeying. You can take in free time where you don't try and solve anything or think about anything. Focus on resting, healing, healthy thoughts, healthy experiences outside, do uplifting things, speak to people that you know will make you feel better, catch up on some sleep, but take some rest time, free your mind. So once you've kind of kick-started your thinking, once you've gotten yourself out of the initial funk or you felt it coming and you were able to avoid going, falling too far into it, you can start to have a think about the patterns that cause you to fall into despair. So for me, like I say, doing something for too long because I'm hyper-focused when I get focused on something is a recipe for despair for me. Um, avoiding things that I should be doing is classic. Soon, If I don't do what I should be doing, I immediately start to feel the despair moving in because it hides me. It hides me from having to think about the things I should be doing. So, you know, have a look at what you're hiding from and your relationship's getting you down do you need some spiritual rejuvenation or healing are we needing to learn positive thinking techniques stress management time management you know are we suffering from depression do we need to seek more help so have a look into things like think about when you're in a good space think about why that's a good time to think about why you fall into a despair and what you, what it is that you're generally usually hiding from 
So there's no kind of plug and play solution for transforming despair. So trust the process, speak to your guides, try the activities that we're going to do in the next section. And um, I think what's really important to remember is that no matter how bad life seems, there's always a way out of despair. Now, if you think about, I mean, I've met some amazing people over the years and sometimes I wonder how they've really managed to function in their life and how they're happy and resilient and keep, you know, keep moving on, keep moving forward despite massive trauma, despair, displacement, war, famine. You know, some of the things I've done over the years, I've met a lot of people who been refugees have been displaced and often despair isn't isn't even part of their understanding of things and I just think to those people and I think if people who have gone through something so horrific like that can be so hopeful and compassionate and open then I can certainly spend some time in my life um, going through what I'm hiding from and what deeper emotions I can be dealing with to move into a place of belonging and hopefulness. I remember back to the time when I was a single mother with my daughter and we lived in a house. It was a lovely wee two-bedroom house. I had a garden. It was really nice. And I had nothing, I had no qualifications, I had to go, you know, I had to get help from the government to set my house up in the first place, I had, we had nothing. We started completely from scratch and I remember thinking <clears throat> at that time, how am I ever going to get out of this? It feels so hopeless, I've no money, I've no way to do the things that I want to do, I can't drive, I don't have a car. You know, it's just, just, just hopeless, just despairing of the life that I thought I wanted and I wanted to help people. I always knew that I would be some kind... I mean, it was definitely the saviour archetype running me at that time, but it was true nonetheless. I was really keen to help people and, and, you know, live in the country and have a beautiful home and a dog and a husband and maybe, you know, my own business someday. And, And it just seemed so far away. It was utterly hopeless and it put me into despair all the time. I got obsessed with, like, buying lottery tickets and winning money and um, it just took me away. It just hid me from the the real gems that I did have in my life. So no, I didn't have any money. Yes, I worked two jobs, sometimes three, whilst I put myself through college and then university by myself with my daughter. Um, I have been homeless. I've had abuse, substance abuse issues. I've been in an abusive relationship, hopelessness followed me around. But do you know what is well, do you know what's true though when I look back is that it was never hopeless. We live in a country where the where the opportunity to better ourselves is there. It might take time, might take resilience, it might take willpower, but it is there. And I think looking back what I did was I put one foot in front of the other. 
I did my best to not have zero days. I did my best to live a life that would propel me forward. I did that through mental health issues, through depression, through anxiety, um, through isolation, through being completely alone. My family were very supportive with Eve, um, for sure. I mean, but college I did by myself. She went to nursery there, worked two jobs, paid for everything by myself. And it was hard work, but that's what got me here to this space. And I hear a lot of people talking about their despair in this life. And I, I just want to circle back round briefly to what I said earlier about um, indulging in despair. And indulging in the fantasy of how hopeless our situation is. I don't believe that anybody's situation... Anybody's situation, I want to say it quite like that. Most people's situation in a country like this, in a country like Britain, because I know I've got a lot of listeners from other places as well, you're given the opportunity to... You're given help. You're given the opportunity. It's it's all there. It is available if you choose to work hard and make sacrifices. And I think that I find that looking back now extremely surprising. Because if you told me that at the time, I would have laughed in your face. I would have said, "No, I'll always be like this. I'm always going to be. You know, there's no way out for me." This is just the way it is for me. And then one by one, the doors opened. One by one, the opportunities came. One by one, things changed. Bit by bit, I healed. It took years and years and years. There's no magic wand to this work. There's no, do a healing circle and everything will be okay. It's consistent daily work with rest as well. Rest and integration periods are also important. Nothing happens without that. And I think that despair can often happen for people when they expect everything to just change and just to be okay and just to be better. I want to be over there. I don't want to do any of the work for it, but that's where I want to be. And it doesn't happen and the doors don't open and despair kicks in, the blanket kicks in because the because we're unwilling to look at what's under the blanket. We're unwilling to look at the self-sabotaging behaviours, the trauma from childhood, the difficult things that we do need to look at in order to heal and grow and open ourselves up to the opportunities that are available for us. So that's despair. There is a way out. It doesn't last. Some of us will suffer from despair occasionally, like me, now. Some of us will live in despair all the time and some of us will be somewhere in between. And if you're lucky, you won't experience despair and this podcast will be pointless for you. In which case, uh, blessings to you and your um, avoidance of that uh, emotion. So, hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast.
enjoy? Hmm, maybe not. I don't know. I definitely didn't enjoy the process of learning about despair myself. I definitely didn't enjoy the process of learning that I was being self-indulgent and that I was the master of my own destiny and the only way out was through the only way out was through me and my actions and what I chose to do. That's hard. It's not easy, but it is true. So, there are many other ways to work with despair, especially if it's connected with depression, as it, as it was with me as well. Counselling, medication, whatever it is that you're doing right now to help yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back, that's excellent. And in part two, we're going to go over a couple of activities that can further support you with your um, overcoming and dealing with despair. So if you want to pop off and get a wee pen and paper, you can do that. As always, the information will be on the show notes. So you can grab that off the website if you don't like to write things down. And I'll see you in just a sec. Hey guys and welcome back to part two, our activities and journey section for this podcast. Now the first journey I'd like you to do this week, if you feel drawn to that, is to journey with your guides and ask to be shown your blanket of despair. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Then ask to see what lies beneath this blanket. You're likely to see, metaphorically remember, the um, underlying or hidden fears that you have or concerns or whatever it is that your blanket's hiding. You're likely to see those. And then, hopefully, you will be shown what needs to be put into action and you may be given a healing to support this underlying issue as well. And what I just encourage you to do with this journey is to hold the intention that you're not going to bring back any feelings of despair from this journey, all right? So, obviously, if you're you're prone to, to despair and you're not currently in despair but you're interested in trying this journey when you're feeling good... It's really important to hold the intention that you're not going to bring back any feelings of despair with you. You're simply asking to be shown what your blanket looks like when it is there and then what is beneath it so that you can deal with that when you're feeling good. If you're not feeling good and you're in despair, you can absolutely do this journey and hold the intention that you leave behind any despair you have that is ready to go. You might not manage to leave it all behind, but Just hold the intention that you're willing and ready to let go of your despair. All right? So that's the first journey. There's two journeys today. So the second journey I'd like you to try involves a bit of journaling first. All right? So spend some time journaling about your future life. What are your hopes? What are your dreams? What would you you love your future life to look like? Regardless of how far-fetched that may seem, Just get it written down. Next, I invite you to take these words on a journey with your guides and ask to be shown what steps you can take now to support you towards your ultimate destiny in this lifetime. Now, it's important to remember that what you've written in your journal isn't necessarily what you're going to get in this lifetime. That's just to open you up to hopefulness, is to open you up to possibility. 
So we're not attaching ourselves to the outcome of what we've written in our journal. We're simply saying, I'm feeling hopeful about the future. These are some of the things that could happen for me. So now show me what I need to do now in this at this point in my life to be able to work towards whatever my ultimate destiny in this lifetime is. All right, so that's your two journeys for this week. Give it, give them a go, see how you get on. I can't wait to hear how you get on in the group. As always, there'll be, there'll be a, an opportunity for you to share your experiences with me once you've listened to this podcast. This was quite a difficult podcast this week, I feel. It was quite um, dense, I think, as well, and it had some difficult material and, and difficult um, suggestions, I think, just around despair and, and what that can really mean for us in this culture and this society and within the individual as well, within each of us. So well done for getting to the end of it. Hopefully you've taken... Um, away from this what I really hope you will which is a feeling of commitment which is a feeling of hopefulness which is a feeling of oh no I can do this I can get move out of these feelings I can move on from this space when I'm in it I have my spiritual team I have my guides I have my steps I have my list of things now that I can do to start to overcome the tsunami of despair as it sometimes can feel like. So thank you so much for listening and I'll see you all same time, same place next week. Hey, thank you so much for listening. We love it. We love you. We love connecting with you on our podcast. We're really pushing our Facebook community right now. It is where all the juicy shamanic stuff happens. So if you'd like to join us in that community, you'll find us on Facebook and look for the Centre for Shamanism community group. And we'll see you there. Thank you.